June 19th, 325, the Catholic Church adopts the original Nicene Creed, not to be confused with the Nicene Creed, which was adopted on April 20th, 69 CE. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us, uh, very excited, uh, please welcome to the show for the first time, Lauren Fates, everyone. Hello, so excited to be here. Thank you for being here. Sorry, I completely mumbled over most of my words in that introduction. That's just where we're at today. Brian is a shambling corpse of a man. He is uh, on uh, a good day. On a good day, and and more so than ever uh, in the in the in the young child era of his life. <laughs> well, and it's fine because in like a like a Pavlovian sort of way, anything even remotely resembling my name, I'm like <laughs> seems legit. So if you're like, it's Lauren Bates, that's me. <laughs> like if someone slightly mispronounces Lauren Michael's name, you're just sort of no. Me, the founder of <laughs> SNL. <laughs> The founder and inhibitor of SNL, I think. Oh, God. Um, sorry. Sorry. Like I said, baby's right there. All right. I bet you're, I bet you don't even have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I've seen it. It's either a very convincing fake or... Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so cute. It is a baby. Oh, thank goodness for deep fake technology. It's you're, definitely you're, it's definitely better than the baby from American Sniper. Your tiny <laughs> your tiny android has convinced me. It, it's really just a Roomba we put a onesie on. No. <laughs> I don't have any children. I don't know what they look like. <laughs> uh, dear listener, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this is The Revisionists. Um, it's a comedy history podcast in which uh, Brian and I, your two um, uh, constant hosts, uh, uh, have one guest on. And, Just one. Uh, <laughs> one of the three of us provides an actual history of a person or event. Uh, the... I am really stumbling. This is the most stumbly I've ever been for the introduction, I think. I think I'm um, just rubbing off on people. Give it a redo. Give it a redo. Frankly, uh, it's been like five months since we recorded this one, except for the last one, which Brian hosted. And now I'm like, how do I do this? I'm like a robot rebooting after five months. <laughs> just um, blue, blue screening. Exactly. Yeah. I got the red ring of death going around my <laughs> around my head right now. Um this is a comedy history <laughs> podcast. Oh, God, you got a power surge. Somebody once told me. <laughs> Somebody once it's told me. That Five months since we've done this was going to blow me. That it wasn't the most accurate tool in the shed. Um, because, in fact. Did you say history was going to blow you? Uh, isn't that what the lyrics are? I'm pretty the sure it's, was... it's roll. roll. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen Shrek in too long, apparently. <laughs> it's also a song that exists outside of Shrek. You, yeah, it's it, not, it wasn't part of the original fucking score for Shrek. <laughs> All of Mystery Smash Man. Mouth is just Shrek now. Every song they've ever done. <laughs> I am going to keep most of this in, by the way. It's a bit like um, Josie and the Pussycats, but for Shrek. No, I'm absolutely fine with looking like an absolute idiot. Um... <laughs> Now, this is a comedy history podcast 
in which uh, we present to you, the listener, uh, what is the government-sanctioned version uh, of a story of a person or event from history. And then we also provide you with uh, maybe the top secret, alternate, crazy, batshit, bananas, different version of that person or event from history. And at the end, we vote on what becomes the true story of this brilliant blue uh, orb of the world going <laughs> forward. Um, and that is uh, fundamentally the premise of the podcast. And this week we are continuing our, our spies segment. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, elongated by uh, parental leave, uh, but indeed... Uh, We're still going. This week, we're talking about Virginia Hall. But before we get into Virginia Hall, uh, we should say that last time we talked about Coco Chanel, Nazi spy. Um, uh, Brian, I don't know. Do we have the results of that back yet? Um, The actual history of Coco Chanel, where she is, yes, remains a Nazi spy, uh, won out. Yes. So, So, Coco Chanel... uh, Indeed is a Nazi spy. So stop writing children's books about how great she is, please. Um, uh, But this week we're talking about uh, Virginia Hall, a a, a woman who uh, was also a spy in World War II, but perhaps (laughs) not for the worst fucking possible people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After that, I mean, after that lead in, I feel like we do need to specify that she was in fact not a Nazi. Yeah. Um, in my alert. in my version, she wasn't. I don't know about yours. <laughs> That's oh true. My. That's true. Lo- I mean, longtime listeners of the show know that. Well, hopefully, you know that. That's not the direction I would go with that. Hopefully, I've built up enough trust. Somehow, somehow, in Brian's version, she's a Nazi. She likes uh, a basket the Congo case. rubber oh. trade. Oh yeah, she's yeah. Uh, Genghis Khan. Big fan. <laughs> Hey, H.H. Holmes? Yep, she's right there, too. She just decided She's a turf. She's a a turf like J.K. Rowling. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Goes to all of those horrible turf anti-pride floats. Yeah, no, she's a member of Westboro Baptist Church. Sure. Goes to all those floats. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Parades? Uh, Parades, thank you. Comey 2012, now it's Hall 2012. <laughs> Are we just Correct. glossing over where parades was referred to as floats? floats. <laughs> Let's go to floats. Look, listeners, this is also a special event on the revisionist calendar where every year it's too fucking hot to it's do very this. Hot, in fact, so, I'm in the back office with no air conditioning. So <laughs> cut us some slack for the next six to eight months. Mm. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how weird it is. <laughs> this is not like once we hit like late July and August, things get like things go off around here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making the baby cry. I uh, hear Babby. I hear the Roomba. <laughs> yeah, no, it it's definitely not definitely not a sound card yeah. we put into a Roomba. Uh, Again, folks, I'm going to be the judge for this week, um, as off kilter as I am in the heat. Um, But my main source of uh, indication uh, on which story I vote for will be how the baby responds to it. (laughs) 
Um, whichever one she cries least during, if I hear her laughing, that's great. That's going to be a big plus. Um, doesn't yeah. matter what the content of the story is oh, shoot. or that but she doesn't understand words. I'm going to start when she's already crying. This is a huge disadvantage. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep tracking that. She's probably going to cry for a while. It's been that sort of day. It is too hot. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I suppose there's no uh, point in uh, delaying. Um, Lauren, if you're ready with the true history, uh, I think we're ready to hear it. I would love to share. This is the story of Virginia Hall. Virginia Hall is known for her espionage, sabotage, and reconnaissance against, not for, Nazi Germany. Some of her nicknames include, not code, not nicknames. Some of her code names during her time <laughs> as a spy include Marie, Marie of Lyon, Olivier, and Diane. <laughs> she uh, has... Some of her nicknames also include what? I guess Bong Ripper 420? <laughs> Uh, Freedom Lover 6969. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, XXX. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's when that's she's on WikiFeed, I think. XXX, Dark Dreams, XXX. She wrote a fanfic <laughs> called My Immortal. It was very yeah. popular for a No, she plays time. Vampire the Masquerade. That's, a, yeah, that's uh, also the... She's also called Artemis by the Germans, and I think that could get into her vampire fanfic. Maybe that that's her fic sure, name. Sure, sure, yeah. I think I it was like... mostly like... It was the Winchester twins from Supernatural slash Draco Malfoy, but they're all vampires. I think that was her main uh, archive, of, archive <laughs> our own fic category. Right, with like reader self-insert, of course. Of course, of oh, course, of course. Always. Yeah. So before she was any of these things, she was born in uh, 1906 on April 6th in Baltimore, Maryland, to parents Barbara and Edwin. They were a wealthy family, so it was assumed that she'd marry into her own social circle. But funny thing is, uh, some of us can relate to this, she was not very well liked. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I always feel subtweeted on this show at least once. <laughs> I mean, I'm dunking on myself, but I figured I was in good company. So she was, she was bullied... She wasn't into the high society marriage thing. She referred to herself as capricious and cantankerous. And legend says she once wore a, she once wore a bracelet made of live snakes to school. Um, <laughs> I know your podcast, uh, big fans of Cleopatra. So mm -hmm. big Cleopatra vibes. She's got to be her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she attended Radcliffe College, Barnard College of Columbia University, and George Washington College, where she studied French, Italian, German, and economics. She was a real uh, Hermione Granger type. <laughs> However, unlike Hermione, she failed her entrance exam to work in the Foreign Service. Uh, pour one out. Pay your respects. So... Like many rich college girls dream of doing, she deals with this heartache by fucking off to Europe, studying <laughs> in France, Germany, and Austria. And what's, uh, what's time period is this after she graduates college and uh, fails her entrance exam? She gets her first job in 1931. Okay. So it's so got to be a like little bit like before that. like the late that. 20s, early 30s. Okay. Yes. 
So she gets her finally gets a gig as consular service clerk at the American Embassy in Warsaw, Poland. This is 1931. Mm -hmm. She is transferred to Turkey just a few months later. And in 1933, would trip and shoot her own left foot with a gun while hunting birds. <laughs> Thankfully. I mean, so far, it's not the most auspicious start for her. For sure. No. Uh, thankfully, like here in America, we have common sense gun control laws and nothing like that ever happens here. Just kidding. I'm doing the real history. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, due to gangrene, her left leg was amputated below the knee. She named her wooden leg Cuthbert and then returned nice. to work as a consular clerk in Italy, then Estonia. Uh, it sounded like she had to get back to work, like, right away. But thankfully, here in America, we established robust laws protecting pregnant women and disabled people and people traumatized from pandemics from having to return to the office. No, I'm just kidding again. Good one. <laughs> and it's, not even, it's not even one of those things where you could be like, oh, it was the 20s. <laughs> no, it's no. the it's the 20s and the todays and the I, futures. I will say this for uh, Virginia Hall. Uh, so far, she's making me feel so much better about myself because as much as I have fucked up in my life in terms of reaching the stations I should have reached by now, I did not, uh, you know... Um, underperform deeply and then fail my entrance exam and then shoot my own leg and lose it. So well, the next she still, she still like went on to do good things. Yeah. She turns into a real badass, but not even yet. So being sure. a woman kept Virginia down in the industry. She wanted to be a diplomat, but those gigs rarely no. went to women. Are uh, you sure that's right? Six six out of 1,500 diplomats at the time were women. That doesn't sound right to me. That seems like something that wouldn't happen. Because you're in America and we don't do things like that? Um, seems like maybe they'd be equally uh, distributed between right, women. Right, and, and, and paid equally? Yeah, it sounds yeah. fake. So I think maybe you should re-examine this history. Okay, Jesus Come Christ. Come back I in a week. I, I, already... I know it's facetious and I hate it so much. Well, I already... I also, like, did this joke twice already. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm actually stealing... I am part of the problem act. Doing my whole bit. You're taking my oppression and you're making it your own. It's so typical of the white male. Uh, so, okay, she was turned down by the Department of State because of literal rules against hiring people with disabilities. Uh, thankfully, you know, we passed common sense laws to end discrimination and ableism. I can't do the joke anymore. You've ruined it. <laughs> so even Franklin D. Roosevelt himself, who was paralyzed from the waist down, Sorry. did not I... give a shit. <laughs> It's just that she said Roosevelt. <laughs> Roosevelt? Oh, Roosevelt. Uh, yeah. I mean, they both... I mean, Teddy and Franklin both pronounced it differently, so... Oh, I've, I've just... I've always heard Roosevelt as, like, someone who hated him in, like, a cartoon. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Pronouncing it. Like, the, two, the two presidents both pronounced the last name differently, so oh. both are ba basically... And they're related. Yeah. So both are pretty much acceptable. Well, I think in this story, we are also supposed to kind of hate him for bringing down Virginia, so we can say sure. Roosevelt. Also, uh, dirty cousin fucker. 
she resigned. She resigned in 1939. Still a clerk. Never promoted. All right, buckle in, because now the real stuff begins. And by the real stuff, I mean World War II. <laughs> in 1940, because of the war, Virginia became an ambulance driver for the French army. She fled from her post when the French were defeated. She ended up in Spain, and there she met a British intelligence uh, and there she met a British intelligence officer, George Bellows. He liked her. He saw something in her. He gave her a friend's phone number, and it wasn't actually a creepy thing. This friend was Nicholas Boddington of the Special Operations Executive, and they wanted her to be a spy. She was like, I'd be great at this, finally. I don't have to be a clerk anymore. Virginia was sent to France. She was the second woman in the SOE to be sent there and the first to stay. She pretended to be a reporter for the New York Post. This allowed her access to lots of places, people, interviews. She wore disguises. She was great with makeup. She was always changing her name and her look. She was mostly self-taught. She founded a network called Heckler. (laughs) Appropriate, I guess. Uh, That is... Heckling the Germans. Exactly. I feel like now that's like a 21st century, like sort of like maybe leftish blog about comedians yeah <laughs> the heckler <laughs> well that yeah. like starts out sort of leftish but then gets like very reactionary yeah. after a and while and then like yeah. uh, in about like five years after it's founded one of the writers like has their own sitcom and you're like oh that sitcom's really great did you know she started out at heckler and yeah <sighs> That's kind of the vibe. But then you find out, like, the guys there were sex pests, and she only For left sure. Heckler because they were awful under the hood. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, every and then there's, every like, space. an apology. Like we a place where Matt Taibbi would have worked, basically. <laughs> yeah, Matt Taibbi was on there for a minute. <laughs> also, so, what a time when the New York Post was, like, a good credential to get you into places. Yeah. So she worked for Crack.com, I mean Heckler, (laughs) and arranged contacts, bribes. She distributed wireless communication devices. She also healed wounds, uh, distributed weapons, generally kicked a lot of ass. Her network included a gynecologist and a brothel owner, and the brothel owner provided her safe houses. Brothels, as it turns out, were a great place to get intel because as we learned from the recent insurrection, guys love bragging about bullshit to women on Tinder, even when it's criminal and even when it's treason. <laughs> as true now as it was even, like, probably way fucking back in, like, when brothels were first uh, invented. I don't know if that's the word. Uh, I think- they say it's the oldest profession, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely true that, historically speaking... I can't imagine that uh, shitty people uh, have any more of a of a sanctuary of a you know a home than than the brothel. And they just can't keep their mouths shut. Like they of just course. think what they've done is awesome, and they just can't shut up about it. Yeah, and they're too stupid to understand that these people like are also people who probably disagree with their positions, or at least one or two have a kink that is sharing government secrets (laughs) so hall was a natural spy and the germans simply didn't think a woman could do it and 
I think to these points you're making, I think that's why she got a lot of information. Nobody suspected that at the time. She knew how to not get caught. One example was she skipped an SOE members meeting in 1941 that was raided by the French police and only one of those agents uh, ended up left alive in France. And even so, she was still treated pretty badly. Like, she's one of the remaining people they have there, and she once remarked that she needed soap and they wouldn't send it to her. Uh, As she became more infamous, one of her favorite disguises was an old woman, which helped her hide her limping. It, like, gave her an excuse to be limping on her bad leg. And she even changed her teeth for this disguise. Uh, She was so good. Go ahead. Oh, may I? uh, So by 1941, just to clarify my timeline, that was like Vichy France by that point, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted, yeah, okay. So that was like Nazi occupied all that. Oh, yeah, they were occupied. Okay. So this next point actually proves that she is known for having once disguised herself as a like an old cheese salesman and selling cheese to a Nazi soldier. <laughs> and in my notes, I wrote, stinky old cheese lady equals really good disguise. I'm just taking this information maybe for my life later. <laughs> it's also, it's like, it's very Tom and Jerry at a certain point. The SOE... Go ahead. I am very excited. May I please ask when you inevitably have to pretend to be a cheesemonger to 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 stop the fascists? Yes. What is the voice that you will do uh, at that particular time? How will uh, you how will you mong the cheese? I'm lactose intolerant. Come buy this before I eat it. <laughs> oh I'm no! A, so there, there's oh, an, there's a, there's a time, ticking yeah, clock. Like, yeah, there is. That's a great. That's a great angle. Save me! I'm a danger to myself. <laughs> I can't waste food, and this cheese is gonna go bad. I can't I... digest it. I'll just eat it. You know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, there's like, yeah. I love we that lactose remember. intolerance is like. <laughs> I mean, we he all just rem- poop a lot. I think that's all that. Happened. We all remember the classic film Virginia Hall, scared stupid. <laughs> classic. Virginia Hall, notorious lactose intolerant. No, I, I, I didn't, did not read that about her. So uh, she she had huge problems with dudes. Uh, my, she's a queen, and it makes a lot of sense. So at one point, the SOE tried to put her under the command of one George Dubodine. She found him lazy and amateurish, refused to introduce him to any of her contacts, and told the SOE to fuck off. She wasn't going to be uh, under his command. Other dudes she hated include (laughs) (laughs) Philippe de Vomacourt because of his ego, Richard Helsop, who called her girl at age 36 and demanded to know who Cuthbert was, (laughs) Henry Lassotte for being too chatty. And German men, of course, hated her, too. She caught the particular attention of Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon. I was going to say, assumedly, also all the fascists. (laughs) Yes, every single Nazi. Her greatest achievement, in my opinion, was a jailbreak of 12 agents who had been arrested by the police. They were held in the Mauzak prison near Bergerac. 
she teamed up with Gabby Bloch, the wife of a prisoner, to sneak tools in sardine cans to that woman's husband. He crafted a key while on the outside, Virginia Hall arranged a safe house and transportation. A priest smuggled a radio into the prison so plans could be made and they could hear each other. And on July 15th, 1942, the prisoners escaped. They had all met up with Hall on the outside by August 11th, not without dodging a huge manhunt. They escaped to Spain, and many of them were hired by the SOE as leaders after, and it was considered one of the most historically significant spy operations of the war. Mm-hmm. The Germans, of course, were pissed. The Gestapo flooded France, and her police contacts could no longer protect her under the pressure. A priest who was actually a German intelligence agent infiltrated the Gloria network, where uh, the uh, heckler was working with Gloria. Hall was suspicious of him, but he convinced her he was legit. She slipped up, and all of her contacts were cut off, and many of them were killed. The Germans even began sending messages to London in her name. When she fled the country, she remarked to the SOE that she hoped Cuthbert would not be troublesome, and once again, remembering nothing about this woman's life, they replied, If Cuthbert is trouble, eliminate him. After a journey that included a 50-mile walk across the freezing Pyrenees Mountains, she arrived in... She arrived in... With one leg. With one leg. She arrived in Spain and was quickly arrested uh, and was in jail for about six weeks before the SOE vouched for her and got her out. The SOE refused to send her back to occupied France, but that's where she wanted to be. So the OSS hired her for less pay, of course, and let her return to France. She was mostly a wire operator. She supported the Allied invasion of Normandy, then helped the Allies reclaim southern France. She did the same old good stuff, safe houses, guns, and attacking German infrastructure and soldiers, all while continuing to have issues with dudes. (laughs) When establishing a headquarters for the Maquis, in a barn in uh, H-A-U-T-E. Out? Um, Haut? I don't think they pronounce the H. I think it's yeah. Outlaw. Outlaw. Whatever. You could put Outlaw. a... Outlaw. No. Yeah, Outlaw. That's, that's going to be the uh, inevitable, like, uh, like third-rate cable channel movie, like show about this, Outlaw. about Virginia Hall. <laughs> ah, Outlaw. But it's spelled in that... <laughs> yes, H-A-U-T-E. L O I R E somehow out. pronounced outlaw, outlaw. Out- I just okay. Outlaw yeah. Hall. That's outlaw Hall. Yeah. Outlaw Hall. <laughs> the men wouldn't listen to her, and she had to trade money and weapons for their respect. She assisted with several pivotal sabotage operations right at the tail end of the war, up until the Americans arrived, only for three of her male colleagues to literally parachute in and take credit after the Germans were already fleeing. (laughs) This is like, and this is a situation when the word literally is literally being used correctly. (laughs) I hold my literal, my use of the word literal to a very high standard. (laughs) So we need you listeners to understand that these three dudes parachuted from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) To take credit. To take credit for her work. Hashtag yes, all men. 
So one good thing that came from her time in Hatlua that uh, she is she met her husband, her future husband. She fell in love with an OSS lieutenant named Paul Goyo, who worked for her power dynamics. High five. When the collapse of the Nazis came, Hall and Goyo returned to Paris in April 1945. She wrote reports and identified the people who had helped her and were deserving of commendations and then immediately resigned from the OSS. Some of her awards include the Distinguished Service Cross, the only one given to a civilian woman in World War II. She was made an honorary member of the Order of the British Empire and was awarded the Croix de Guerre in France and then in 1957 married her man. Most of the people she worked with were not as fortunate as she was. The gynecologist and the brothel owner, they were both sent to concentration camps but survived. Many of her contacts, including three chosen family members who she called her nephews, all died. The priest who betrayed her, he was also executed. <laughs> and I can well, laugh at that because he was a bad one. Yeah, he was one of the baddies. She then fought the spread of communism with the CIA in the 50s and got terrible performance reviews. E. Howard Hunt of Watergate fame called her an embarrassment to the bureaucrats. She and her husband retired to a farm in Maryland where she lived until her death in 1982. Uh, she didn't like talking about herself very much. She said, many of my friends were killed for talking too much. She didn't even want her distinguished service cross given to her publicly, but her death inspired a new curiosity among people. She was honored by French and British ambassadors in Washington on the 100th anniversary of her birth, and both a CIA training facility and a catalog section in the CIA museum are named after her. At least six popular books have been written about her, and she was the subject of a 2020 film called A Call to Spy. Supposedly, Daisy Ridley, uh, Ray Star Wars, will also play her in an upcoming film, A Woman of No Importance. And that is Virginia Hall. I like how you said Ray Star Wars, like people say nay, like, nay pre-marriage name. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Ray Star Wars, because uh, it's you might as well say that if her last name is supposedly Skywalker, you might as well just call her Ray Star Wars. Sure. sure. <laughs> Ray Disney Corporation franchise. Uh, Ray, first openly gay Disney character. (laughs) Um, uh, Regardless. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Lauren, for your um, actual history of Virginia Hall. Uh, Brian may have a different take. I might. I I I also did not realize they were turning a woman of no importance into a movie, which was, I was going to say, like, that's a very good book. It's where I first learned about Virginia Hall. So if anyone's interested, check that out. Or I guess now wait for the movie <laughs> or something. Um, but it's easier, but uh, less robust. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I mean the um, the broad strokes of Virginia Hall's life are, you know, Lauren got them right, uh, very much so. Um, but the the thing i really want to focus on is it starts uh when she was assigned to the foreign service in turkey um Mm -hmm. and she was on that hunting trip uh where 
she was with a, a male friend of hers from the foreign from the foreign office and they got separated um he he got lost she has a very good sense of direction um as we'll see later um i don't know what happened he i don't, thought he saw a quiznos or something and went off oh sure um, the classic reason why you get lost in the forest it, it, like a mirage like a quiznos mirage comes quiznos. for us all it's true yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, we see those little like weird puppets that scream at your your face <laughs> oh yeah oh no yeah. Mm-hmm. um is there just we- are they just burned into the like the brains of our entire generation i feel like we're going to die thinking about those commercials it's a very specific time period of people like yeah. there are younger people and older people who listen to this podcast probably who just don't know what we're talking about <laughs> but we know I we will like never maybe forget we all died watching those commercials when we die is- all three of us the last thing we will see in our minds are those screaming googly-eyed little monsters <laughs> and when you see one, you'll know it's time, and you can yeah. <laughs> take you can take their tiny hand, and they'll gently walk you uh, to the Quiznos the in the sky. Life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, if you look it up, those those mascots are called the Grim Reapers of the Millennials. Um, that's that's the official name of the mascot. So it is the last thing we will see. Um, so. While she was out in the sort of Turkish wilderness trying to track down her hunting partner, um, out of the blue, a wizard pulls up. And I'm uh, sorry, pulls up like in a car? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, like they do. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of car. Uh, it was a wizard, it's so a I'm going to say. 58 Chevy Cadillac. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a V8. V8. It's got a Hemi. I don't know cars. I don't think those things probably actually go together. But I was going to say Hyundai Sonata, but that probably the 58 Chevy sounds better. Especially impressive, considering it was not yet 1958. But please go on. (laughs) Wizard magic. (laughs) Um, You don't know if Doc Brown might step out of this car. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, the world the world sort of goes quiet and the wizard as uh, wizards are want to do offers Virginia a choice. Uh, sometime in the not too distant future, she will have a chance to have a real impact in a struggle against evil. But if she accepts, she'll have to do it in total secrecy. Um, and she sort of she weighs her options, weighs her values, um, and she looks at the wizard and she she accepts. Um, and then as she's walking away, she has her accident where she trips and falls and shoots her uh, shoots herself in the foot. Um, the wizard, uh, seeing this, pops his trunk and tosses her a prosthetic leg, hops back in the car. But before he leaves, he says, by the way, legs cursed. And then he just peels off. Um, and he was right. The leg was cursed. Uh, when she put it on, uh, she felt like a powerful, dark energy sort of at the heart within uh, that was in a way always trying to get back to its maker and master. Um, and fortunately it sort of worked out that like Cuthbert, um, if you have a, if you have a, if, if you uh, sort of um, have a speech impediment, maybe it sounds like cursed bit. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so uh, really, Virginia Hall is one of the probably few people with enough sort of willpower and 
just savvy and skill who would be qualified to sort of keep that curse and that sort of dark will contained. Sure. Um, and so that's how the leg became part of her life. Um, and, you know, eventually she found her hunting companion. I'm, I'm sure he was confused. Just like, have you always? And she was, yeah, let's go. Um, so then, yeah, because she wants to be involved in the coming conflict, um, she leaves her State Department job and heads to Europe as an ambulance driver. Uh, when, and that's when she met um, Bellows, the British intelligence officer. Um, and they were sort of, they were sort of getting to know each other. They were running some sort of like backwoods missions. And so one night they're like, they're camping out basically. Um, and uh, Virginia Hall is getting ready for, for bed. She's uh, like taking her leg off, getting ready. And Bellows felt himself drawn to its power. Um, and, you know, Virginia turned to him to say, oh, legs cursed. But she was eating a turkey club. So to him, it sounded like Cuthbert. And that's how it got the name. Um, so. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of a lot of the time when she encountered a lot of these other uh, intelligence officers. Um, part of. Part of the issue, other than, you know, the misogyny, was the fact that they could not sort of resist the dark power of Cuthbert, uh, Dubedin de Vomcourt especially, uh, which I realize now sounds like vomit court. Um, so she she only had like a very small, close circle of people. Um, and that's when the, um, the German priest... Um, whose name I won't <laughs> try to pronounce, um, sort of ingratiated himself in and uh, lured her network into a trap. And so with her entire network blown, with the Allies invading North Africa, the Germans sort of closing in, um, that's when she escapes into Spain over the Pyrenees. And she's doing that uh, totally by herself. There was like one of the, one of the dudes was with her, but he totally tried to Boromir her. It seems like very much like Cuthbert would almost be sort of one ring style trying to oppose her in her attempt. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Um, yeah. After the dude tries to Boromir her, they're ambushed by Uruk High. Um, mm -hmm. Some of this sure. is, some of this alternate history is brought to you by the fact that the Lord of the Rings extended edition is on HBO Max right now. Oh, dang. Um, Guys, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> just falling back into old habits is what I'm doing. Um, so she gets away, but she is in the Pyrenees by herself with only Cuthbert for company. And it's sort of at this moment that she is at her weakest, uh, like physically, it's a long, steep hike. Uh, there's little food, little water. There's not a lot of hope. Um, and that's when sort of, Cuthbert gets the advantage a little bit um, and she can feel she can feel Cuthbert sort of dragging her to the edge of a precipice even to the point where like her the toes of her non-prosthetic leg are dangling over the edge um, but she kept fighting and like her sense of control came back and she fought against it and was able to pull herself back and use that natural sense of direction that she had uh, to 
barely, barely manage to make it down from the mountains. Um, and so Virginia, eventually she came back from the war victorious in all her missions, not just, um, running the intelligence networks, but keeping, keeping Cuthbert contained, but she was changed. She was, you know, darker, less happy than before. Um, so then she uh, sails to the Grey Havens, basically. Um, <laughs> that's where I... Uh, but on the way, um, she is waylaid by an unknown figure uh, who manages to get away with Cuthbert, who to this day, uh, his whereabouts remain unknown. And that is the <laughs> very slapdash alternate history of Virginia Hall. Indeed. Okay. Uh, we got a cursed lake. We got Virginia Hall escapes to the Grey Havens as uh, as all heroes should. Um, <laughs> all heroes should. <laughs> like the those, Terminator. Uh, it's better than uh, better than the normal thing that happens to real heroes, which is yeah, they just true, eventually they, die. They, they do die. Yeah. yeah. Or or live long enough to be the villain. Let's be yeah, fair. That's, that's, true. that's true. Yeah. Yes. Harvey Dent. You got me there. If Harvey Dent hopped on a ship to the Grey Havens, hey. first of all, that's someone's deviant art page from 2009. Harvey but. Dent uh, supported uh, an elected school board until he became the mayor, and he supported the selected school board. Uh, lived is this a Lori enough. Lightfoot joke? It is indeed a Lori Lightfoot <laughs> okay. joke. She's she's not great. Um this is our. Th- this is the mini Lori Lightfoot podcast within a podcast. Very specific Chicago politics. Um, regardless, yeah. Uh, thank you, Lauren, and thank you, Brian, for uh, both of your accounts of uh, Virginia Hall's life. Um, but I think before we get to final judgment, uh, it would be plugs time, would it not? Yeah, it would. Um. Yeah, listeners, we do have, of course, our Patreon page where you can help support the show and, uh, by extension, my non-Roomba baby, uh, who is a real baby. Sure. 100%. Yeah. You could see a picture of her uh, on the Instagram. It may look like a Roomba with a little wig on it mm-hmm. and a onesie, <laughs> but rest assured it is a human. It's also very hard to get a diaper on a Roomba. Um, but, uh, we also, you can also find us on Instagram. But the diaper never fills up it, to its credit. As no, it's soon true. as it shits, it pulls it right back in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It pulls it right back in. <laughs> what a disgusting, disgusting image and just series, series of word sounds. Um, Instagram, Twitter, um, and you can always uh, write us a letter, leave us a comment, ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. And uh, a uh, written review also would be a fantastic uh, Christmas in June gift uh, or just any any time of year would be wonderful. I am not sleeping regularly, so this is just what it's going to be like for me for Plausibly the next six to eight months. The podcast. It's hot. There's a leave. baby. Yeah, we're uh, all we're all over the place. 
Um, I just had a massive chicken sandwich, so I'm a little chicken drunk, too. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Also, uh, chicken is LSD for Brian. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't do hard drugs, so any chicken with a spice level beyond medium is a little bit like yeah. my altamont. You are accelerating yourself towards the great Quiznos in the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> and of course, I don't, I don't want to be trapped in the purgatory that is Subway. Yeah. No. For Brian, when Quiznos says their sandwiches come toasted, that's not a metaphor. That's that's a that's a diagnosis. <laughs> it's a yeah, um, a promise. Yeah. What is sub sandwich hell? Is it Jimmy John's? Oh, you know, I I regret saying Subway is purgatory because as much as I dislike Jimmy John's, the owner of Jimmy John's worked at a Jimmy John's. It's a classic. It's a classic. The owner of Jimmy John's is a real piece of shit. Jimmy John's sandwiches are pretty kind of good. So it's like that classic square the circle thing with jimmy john's yeah i mean there's also like papa john's which is papa john's is papa not john's sub is sandwiches that is, that is 100 a pizza place <laughs> well no but it's, it's a bad I dude mean, if we, named john if we wanted Look. to assemble all of fast food hell yes papa john goes there chick-fil-a is down there like mm-hmm. I, we could go all day but i okay. gave parameters <laughs> look if you fold a pizza in half it becomes a sandwich in a way um, challenging <laughs> arby's arby's we, let's go with arby's then for sandwich hell what's wrong with uh, jimmy wait john's, a second <laughs> here's what jimmy john's is jimmy john's is that scene in um uh indiana jones and the lost crusade last crusade where like you have to pick the chalice and like the bread at jimmy john's is really good it looks tasty but when you drink from it you become you turn into a skeleton yeah. and die because you've chosen so the immoral choice. That's what Jimmy John's is. <laughs> anyway, time for a word from our new sponsor, uh, uh, Jersey Mike's. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> We're doing some character assassination. Uh, um, sorry, Lauren, I should have asked before recording. Uh, is there anything you would like to uh, mention? Yes, I can do that. I'm currently hosting the podcast The Bebop Beat. If you are an anime weeb or you just want to go back to the 90s, we have a great show over there that rewatches every episode of Cowboy Bebop one by one as we await the new Netflix live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. My co-host's name is Jamie Sanchez of Bitbash and Anime Chicago, and we've had a lot of awesome guests from Bo Billingsley, the voice of Jet Black, to Mason Alexander Park, one of the new Netflix stars. So we're having a great time over there. Check us out anywhere you find podcasts. We're also on Twitter at Bebop Beat and Instagram at Bebop Beat. You can also see me on Twitter, just my name, Lauren Fates, F-A-I-T-S. I uh, protect my tweets for, like, employer reasons, but if you shoot me a DM and tell me you heard me on the show, you can be my friend. Let's hang out. It's cool. Sure. Awesome. And Lauren has a history of podcasts. Uh, she has um, a podcast about uh, the Netflix she series that guest of this podcast and girlfriend of myself, Shannon Camp, was on at a certain point. So, uh, yeah, uh, check out all of her previous work as well. 
Yeah, that one was called She-Ra Progressive of Power. We did 100 episodes of that, which included interviews with uh, Noel Stevenson, Amy nice. Carrero, and we even visited DreamWorks Studios in L.A. So if you're a She-Ra person, give that one a listen, too. Hell yeah. Um, Zach? Uh, yeah, so I guess it comes down to judgment time. Oh, um, actually, um, before we do that, I, I did want to mention... Um, thank you to everyone uh, who, if you could have donated to the uh, Danny Ramos uh, GoFundMe that oh, we mentioned in the last yes. episode, uh, I wanted to give you an update that, uh, thankfully, he he has been released from the hospital and is recovering. Um, so that is very good news. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, we wish the best to Danny, uh, past and uh, very hopefully future guest. Uh, mm-hmm. of this show um yep um but for judgment for this particular episode um you know uh the 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 addition of a of a cursed artificial leg is an interesting twist upon the virginia hall story but i fear that it might be a hat on a hat for uh this particular person who uh, just dealt with regular old misogyny and um, Nazis and Nazis, you know, regular Nazis are are horrible enough all by their lonesome without without curses being lumped upon them. Um, and I almost feel like I, 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 uh, I have an obligation to give it to the to the true history of a pretty exceptional person who um, fought against uh hate and uh you know uh disregard uh for her her potential talent and and all of these things so i think that i'm gonna have to go with the true true history yeah absolutely all right um listeners uh voting is now open to you on patreon as you're hearing this um unless you're listening to it more than two weeks after the fact um anyway and there will be the last chance uh, Instagram poll the Wednesday following this episode's release. Uh, so be sure to look for that. Uh, but Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm so excited to hang out. And I think I need to go eat some Quiznos and watch some Lord of the Rings. Dang. No one has ever said the first part of that sentence at all. It's been so long, right? It's been so That's... long. I don't remember what it tastes like. Unfortunately, Brian, uh, you don't know that Shannon and I have a Quiznos and Lord of the Rings Thursday every single week. Uh, <laughs> Shannon doesn't, we, neither of us go to work. We just uh, stay home uh, and order Quiznos and watch the entire Lord of the Rings extended cut. So do you, do you nurse one Quiznos sandwich for about nine mm, hours? It's about or? six Quiznos each. Oh, okay. Six <laughs> one for each of the halves. So you, you get you get a 12 rack of Quiznos, basically. Sure. Yeah, we both eat about 12 feet of Quiznos <laughs> and watch all six parts, all, all uh, three parts extended cut of Lord of the Rings. We watch it on DVD, so there's that part in the middle where it's like, please insert the next discs. disc. Yeah. That's when we know to switch sandwiches. Yeah, totally. Uh, do you do pairings or is it sort of just like, you know kind of freewheeling whatever sandwich uh, floats your boat at the moment. Sure, sure, yeah. I think that uh, you start with, uh, I find that Fellowship is more of a ham movie. 
Uh, and then vegetarian. It's a movie. I've always said that. Vegetarian for the two towers, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And then name another Quizno sub. I'd be surprised to see that uh, chicken is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's just say, meat. just name meat. But but you gotta have plump little red berries so that when Denethor bites his little plump berry you can do it also at the same time that's the grossest scene across 10 hours of movie that includes war footage yeah uh so that's something that i talked about um (laughs) what happened what happened to the entwives they went to the quiznos in the sky (laughs) we answered it we answered it here I think this episode only took almost the entire runtime for me to hit my personal stride. And it was the Quiznos bit. Uh, You can move uh, it to the beginning. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Um, We're glad to be back still. Uh, Best of luck, as always. You know, Danny Ramos, we're so glad that he's out of the hospital. Um, And uh, I think that's going to wrap us up. Brian, you want to take us out? Um, Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Have a good time. Have a good time. (laughs) Man, it's somehow more stilted than when I did it five months ago. June 19th, 1949. The first NASCAR race ever is held at Charlotte Speedway. Wikipedia also says the first NASCAR race was held on this day in 1960, but it is totally plausible for a NASCAR race to last 11 years. June 19, 1910. The first Father's Day is celebrated in Spokane, Washington, where most dads keep their secret families. June 19, 1586. English colonists leave Roanoke Island behind after failing to start a colony. Later on, one of them leaves a Yelp review that just says, Roa, no thank you. June 19th, 1865, over two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, slaves in Texas are informed of their freedom on a day now known as Juneteenth. As of this writing, Juneteenth is a federal holiday, and I don't write jokes on federal holidays. Uh, June 19th, 1862, the U.S. Congress outlaws slavery in U.S. territories, overturning Dred Scott. Between this and Juneteenth, June 19th is a pretty solid day for U.S. and black rights, and one out of 365 is still pretty bad, actually. And finally, June 19th, 1903, Benito Mussolini, then a radical socialist, is arrested in Bern for inciting a labor strike. He turned from socialism when egalitarianism interrupted his strict understanding of class struggle, a lesson that likely has no bearing on usually white, middle-to-upper-class, far-left ideologues who think identity politics is a farce. <laughs>